Our scripture reading comes from two places. First from Psalm 115. Psalm 115. We'll read that psalm. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not hear. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth He has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do, nor do any who go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. So far from Psalm 115. Let's also turn to Matthew 6. Verses 19-34. Both of these readings, by the way, are in connection with the Lord's Day that we'll look at this afternoon, which is the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, Give us this day our daily bread. So we'll read from Matthew 6, verses 19-34. through 34. I trust these are familiar verses, but nonetheless edifying to read. The words of the Lord Jesus, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So uh, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So far, the word of the Lord. Every Lord's Day in the afternoon service, we turn to the Heidelberg Catechism as a summary of Christian doctrine. We find ourselves this afternoon in Lord's Day 50. That's on page 562 of our books of praise. There, the question is, what is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, Provide us with all our bodily needs, so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good, and that our care and labor, and also your gifts, cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures, and place it only in you. So far, the Heidelberg Catechism. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we've been working through the Lord's Prayer over the last several weeks, and this week we find ourselves in the fourth petition, which, if you've been following the structure of the Lord's Prayer, now begins the second half of the, the Lord's Prayer. So if you remember, the first three petitions are about God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. We saw last week that kingdom and will are two sides of the same coin, And now the second half of the prayer has to do with our bread, that's today, our forgiveness, and our temptations. One of the things that uh, I've been stressing and I don't tire of repeating is that the reason we do a study like this, the reason we take the Lord's Prayer and spend six weeks uh, dissecting it, thinking about it, is because this is not just a prayer that's meant to be repeated verbatim. Uh, It's rather a model for all of our prayers. What we learn from the Lord's Prayer should affect all of our prayers uh, in, in all of our circumstances. So when the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6, uh, here is how you should pray, uh, he, he did not mean, here's a prayer to repeat word for word, but rather, here are the sorts of things you should be praying for, and this is the sort of way, the attitude in which you should be praying it. Uh, that's what makes it worthwhile to spend time on the Lord's Prayer. We learn the kind of prayer that the Lord would have us pray. Uh, we learn, in other words, to, to think God's thoughts after Him. To think God's thoughts after Him. Uh, so now we come to the fourth petition, which is, Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, The goal for this afternoon is to do three simple things. First, I want to put this prayer into perspective, seeing it again in the context of 
of the prayer as a whole uh, with the right priorities, the right frame of mind that the Lord Jesus expects from us. Uh, Second, to reflect on, of course, the meaning of the prayer itself. What does the Lord mean when he teaches us to pray uh, for our bread? And, uh, And then thirdly, applying that to the variety of prayers that we pray in, in the variety of circumstances that, that we find ourselves. Uh, so we want to start by just putting this prayer into perspective. And what I mean by this is we want to remember this is not the first petition. Uh, I ask this question oftentimes in catechism class, uh, just to I ask the students, uh, what are the things you pray for most often? And uh, we'll come up with a list and cover the, half the whiteboard with, with a list of the kinds of things we, we pray about. And, and then we can categorize them as to which petition do, do all of these sort of fall under? What general heading do they fall under? And the majority of the things that we pray for fall under the fourth petition. Uh, we pray for health, we pray for food, we pray for our jobs, we pray for our school. And all of these things you can categorize under this this prayer of the fourth petition, our daily needs. Um, and and that's, there's nothing wrong with, with the fourth petition receiving that much attention, but we do well to remember that that's not our starting point. We don't begin uh, with our needs. Uh, the Lord Jesus put the first petitions first for a reason. Uh, and the reality is all of us have a tendency to become consumed with our daily needs. This is why they they take the space that they do in our prayers. Uh, We become consumed with them. We we almost uh, find ourselves living for our our daily needs, our daily circumstances. Uh, And and that's what the Lord Jesus is is pushing back against. You see that in the text also that we read from from, uh, Matthew 6, 19 to 34. It says, life is more than food. The body's more than clothing. He teaches us, pray for these things, but he also says your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek something else first. And that's what we want to think about. Um, Again, I don't... My intention, and the Lord Jesus' intention, is not to discourage us from praying for these things. Uh, we, we certainly need to be laying these things before the Lord in prayer. Uh, just as, as children come before their father, so the father would have us uh, bring all of our concerns. Whatever is on your heart, uh, whatever burden you're carrying, do bring it before the Lord. First uh, Peter 4, I believe. Uh, Cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Uh, uh, Philippians 4, uh, that was 1 Peter 5, I found it. Uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Uh, also Philippians 4, verse 6. Uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't, don't hold your requests back from God because you think, well, these aren't worthy of the Lord's attention. No, you're, 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 the, fa- you're the children of your Father, and your Father cares. He wants to hear uh, from His children. So, uh, the purpose... My purpose and the Lord Jesus' purpose is not to discourage that. Uh, Christ urges us, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Uh, knock and God will certainly open the door to you. And, and he means it when he says that. So do bring your prayers before the Lord. At the same time, recognize the Lord would have you start somewhere else. Uh, again, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
So where will we begin? Uh, Christ is not saying don't pray for food and clothing, uh, but he's saying what are you looking for first? Or, Or to put it another way, what are you seeking the bread, the drink, the clothing for? What do you want those things for? Uh, That's what Christ would have us ask ourselves. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, that's your your first priority. And you seek the bread, the drink, the clothing, etc. for the purpose of laboring in the kingdom of God. Uh, So the prayer that Christ teaches us, to, to paraphrase the prayer, it is, Father, I love your name. I want to see your name lifted up. That's where I begin. Also, your kingdom and your rule. Your, your kingdom is good. I want to see it established in all the world. Uh, everything I fight for, I want to serve that kingdom. Uh, your righteousness too, your will, it's my treasure. We saw that last week. I long for the will of God. And I want to see it taking shape in my life and, and in the lives around me. That's where Christ has us begin. And then you may continue, and so, O God, I need things for that to happen. Uh, Grant me what I need. Uh, I am weak and needy. I need my food, or my body is not going to work, and I can't serve you. Uh, I need forgiveness, or else I would be lost. I would despair, and I would be useless to you. Uh, I need help in the fight against sin. Otherwise, I will find myself betraying you. I pray for these needs so that I may serve in the purpose that God has has created me for. Uh, So when Christ puts these petitions first, He teaches us that our our heart's desire should not be the bread itself and all the things uh, underneath that, that category. That's not what we live for, but we do ask for it because we live for the glory of God. Um, you see the same dynamic in, in Psalm 115, which we read earlier. And uh, what's beautiful about the psalm is there's a double prayer in this psalm. It's a prayer for God's blessing. You see this. May the Lord bless the house of Israel and the house of Aaron and all those who fear Him. It's a prayer for God's blessing. And yet even more, it's a prayer for God's glory. Uh, right from verse 1. Not to us, but to your name, be the glory. And that's our heart's deepest prayer. That's our highest concern. Uh, it's what we live for, what we, what we strive for. And it's in that context and, and for that purpose that we also seek God's earthly blessings over our daily lives. And we also trust Him to take care of us. Uh, so uh, verses 12 through 15 Uh, are worth our attention. Uh, Psalm 115, verses 12 through 15, uh, where, where the psalmist says, The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. And then there's a prayer accompanied Uh, With that, may the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. There's that prayer for the Lord's blessing. But now, why do we desire that blessing? Well, that too is laid out in in the psalm. You look at verses 16 to 18, uh, where, where the psalmist says, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. In God's purposes, he wants us to live here 
And he wants us to live here with a purpose. He goes on, The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. I'll come back to that. Uh, But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So, why do we want the Lord's blessing so that we may live? We want it so that we can bless the Lord. Uh, We want it because that's the purpose that God put us here on the earth for. He says, "The, the heavens belong to the Lord, the earth belongs to us. And why does the earth belong to us? So that we may use our time here to know God, love Him, live with Him, to praise and glorify Him. Uh, if you're wondering about the, the, the line there that says the dead do not praise the Lord, uh, there is the reality that in the Old Testament they didn't have the same clarity about the, the immediate uh, future uh, af- after death. Uh, we sang earlier this morning from Psalm 139, and there's a, there's a rock-solid confidence even in that time uh, that wherever I go after this life, I will stay in the hands of the Lord. Uh, that, that's very clear in uh, Psalm 139, and yet there's, uh, there's a recognition that our time is, is to be spent here on earth. This is where God put us, and he put us here for, for the purpose of his praise and glory. Uh, that's what the Lord's Prayer is also all about. I live for God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. And for that purpose, I need, I need the Lord's blessing. Uh, it is not that God doesn't value my material needs by putting them this late in the prayer. Uh, no, He does value them, and He delights to give them, but He wants to show me that there's more to life than obtaining these material things. We're not here just to consume. Uh, and, and so much of Canadian culture and, and American culture is we're here to consume. Get the most. You hear that? Get. Consume. Get the most out of life. Uh, accumulate possessions, and and as far as we know, the the one who dies with the most toys wins. Well, the Lord Jesus says that is not what you're here for. Uh, We we are here with a much greater purpose uh, to live in relationship with God and and through our food, our drink, and our families uh, to use all of these things for the glory of God's name. And so that's, that's our first point then, just seeing this prayer in perspective. Yes, do pray. I don't at all want to discourage that. Do pray this petition with all of its uh, implications, all of the, the little subcategories. Pray for your bread, pray for uh, your home, pray for your cars, these little material needs. Do pray for them, but pray for them with perspective. Uh, Let's turn then and just consider for a few minutes the words of the petition themselves, because they do matter. The Lord Jesus chose them, of course, intentionally. Um, First, and especially, the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray for bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, obviously, the Lord is thinking here about more than just bread. Um, the word bread there clearly stands as a fill-in for, uh, for a much broader category of daily needs. Food, drink, sustenance, health, uh, the blessings on our crops and our labors. Uh, all of these things we need to obtain that, that bread. So, so you can think of it more broadly as all of our material and even our spiritual needs, our, our daily needs. And yet it's still worthwhile to consider that Christ uses the word bread. 
Because he could, have, he could have just as well have taught this prayer, uh, give us this day our daily needs. It's not that they didn't have a word for, for daily needs. But the Lord Jesus chooses the word bread because it gives us a, an idea of the kind of daily need that the Lord has in mind. It's a very simple and a very modest prayer. It's not, give me everything that I need and I'm going to determine for myself what those needs are. It's, give me bread. You know, Lord, that I need bread. It's very simple, very very modest. Uh, it's not that we, you don't pray for more things than bread. It's that we shouldn't turn our prayers into a long list, uh, an elaborate list of all the things we want. It's instead presenting before the Lord God the things that we know and God knows that we need. Uh, I would argue that a prayer like this really challenges the, the health, wealth, prosperity uh, movement within Christianity, uh, where the idea is that you should dream big, you should name it, you should claim it, you should stamp God's you know, promises upon it and say, Lord, I trust you to give me this, this job or, or to realize this dream uh, that I have. Uh, I don't believe that's a biblical way of thinking. Um, there's nothing wrong with dreaming big, but to, to stamp God's promises upon things that he, he hasn't promised is not what we're called to do. Uh, and, and the Lord's Prayer really contradicts that whole sentiment. It's not, give me all these things I want. It's, give me bread. Very modest. Uh, very simple. And, and again, it begins, even before that, by, by reori- reorienting us. This, this too, the, the health, wealth, prosperity gospel misses. Uh, that orientation that we're first here, not for our dreams, not to chase after our wants. We're first here to serve and honor the Lord. Uh, we're not here to get the most out of life, but to know and love and live with our God for His glory. And that's why we pray for bread. In other words, it's praying, God, if you would have me be useful, in your service, as I want to be, then grant me the bread, the, the, the most basic needs that I have in order to live. It's a very modest prayer that arises from a right understanding of why we're here in the first place. Now, you think of what Paul wrote to Timothy. Uh, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, he writes, Godliness, there's your orientation, your perspective. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. It's very modest, very simple, and very honest and and, and godly. Uh, And and so Christ is teaching us to pray a modest prayer. Uh, Yes, bring all, all of your requests before the Lord God, as children do before their Father. But recognize that God is not just a Santa Claus to give us whatever pops into our head, whatever things we might like to have, but begin with why we're here and then go to what do I need in order to be here in the, uh, to do the things that God has called me to do. Uh, again, that's not to say you don't pray for anything but bread or clothes or, or the minimal bodily needs. Uh, you need employment to receive that bread. Pray for, for employment. Uh, you may be lonely and desire a spouse, If that's a desire God has given you, then pray. Bring that desire before the Lord. Um, You you may be living with anxieties. Cast those cares upon the Lord. 
But those requests should be done, all of them, in a spirit of, of modesty and a spirit of trust. Father, you know my needs, and I trust that you will provide me with all I need. Um, you, you think also the prayer that's recorded in Proverbs 30. Uh, this is by a, a godly man uh, who we don't know other than from this prayer, but a wise and godly man named Agur, and not to be confused with Jello. There's, there's a Jello also called Agur. Yeah. We know nothing about this man except for his prayer, and yet it's such a beautiful prayer, and, and we have it recorded in Proverbs 30, verse 7, where he says, Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. There's that modesty that the Lord Jesus would teach us. Our purpose here on earth is to serve our God, then to lift His name high, and this prayer is about the needs we have in order to see that purpose done. Uh, and, and, and there is a warning uh, that the Lord Jesus often gives towards, towards the rich. This too, I, I believe, contradicts this, this health, wealth, name it and claim it, uh, prosperity gospel. There are so many warnings that the Lord Jesus gives against the rich. Uh, riches are not an evil, but they are a danger. Uh, our riches can be a snare. You think of the parable that Lord Jesus used of the seed that was scattered on, on various types of soil, and some of it fell on, on ground that had weeds and was choked by those weeds. And, and he defines those weeds as, as the toils and cares uh, or. or the, the, the worries and cares of this world. There's certainly a warning there. Don't live for those things. They will choke your faith. Uh, the reality is we're already, here in Canada, we're already among the world's richest, at least 10% uh, of the, the world's population. And our culture today is a testimony to what happens when, when a people, a population becomes uh, so rich that they do forget their God. Just as Agar prayed, don't, don't give me too much, lest I should forget you. The Lord has blessed our country with much, and our country has in large part forgotten Him. It can be very easy to let the treasures that we have here on earth strangle our faith. Uh, again, as the Lord Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Uh, how badly the church in the West, the church here in Canada, needs to remember this. Where our treasure is, wherever we accumulate it, that's where our love is going to also be. That's what we're going to live for. Uh, the Lord Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Another warning there. Uh, don't chase after riches. Uh, the question that, that is posed then is, are we prepared to lose our riches for the sake of the kingdom of God. If our lives are rightly oriented, our riches are nothing but a means to serve God. Are we prepared then to use them and to lose them in the service of the kingdom of God? Now, you think of Christ's warning to the rich young ruler uh, where he had done all the right things and then the Lord Jesus says, sell all that you have, give to the poor and come follow me. And he walked away sad. He was not prepared to lose his riches. Uh, 
Could it be said of us, like, like the author to the Hebrews says to the congregation he's writing to, that you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Oh, we pray the Lord doesn't bring us to that level of persecution. But if the Lord does, would we joyfully accept the plundering of our property, knowing that we have a better inheritance and an abiding one? Uh, can we say with David in Psalm 73, Whom do I have in heaven but you? And on earth there is nothing I desire besides you. Uh, or, or has that spirit also then been strangled out by the worries and cares of the world? Again, it's not wrong to be rich. You think of Abraham, you think of Job, uh, godly men who serve the Lord with their riches. But it is much harder to see God as our greatest treasure when we also have a great treasure here on earth. Uh, Far better, again, as Agur says, to have almost nothing but still have the nearness of God than to have everything and lose that nearness of God, to be led away from God by our riches. And so it's not for nothing that the Lord Jesus uses the word bread. It's very simple, very modest, and it's a very necessary reminder. Uh, uh, Don't get caught up in gathering treasures on earth and presenting before God a list of all the things you would like to have, but keep in mind why you're here and pray for your daily needs. And I think the Lord Jesus also teaches us to pray for bread, also because it's, it's such a simple and a practical need that we very easily forget. So looking at it from the other side, uh, sometimes we think we should only pray about really big things, really serious or life-threatening uh, sorts of things, cancer, danger, other uh, big realities. And, and we almost think we shouldn't waste God's time with little things like bread. I mentioned in our series on kings, things like auto mechanics, uh, praying for your car. Uh, Don't forget to pray for your car, for your home. Uh, Little, simple, daily things that do need the Lord's blessing. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's it's laborers' labor in vain. Uh, it, It is by God's blessing that our cars start, that we make it to work on time, that we can accomplish the work that we do have to do. We have the strength for that All of these things are by God's blessing. Uh, And so there's something wonderful also there about the word bread. Uh, Don't forget to pray for the smallest thing like bread. Um, God desires that all of our concerns, the big ones and the very little ones that, that are nonetheless concerns, God desires that they all be laid before him. If he gives us our bread, shouldn't we also pray for it? And shouldn't we also then thank him for it? If it's he who brings us to work, we should pray for that. And we should also thank him for it. Uh, Finally, I want to finish on on the words that the Lord Jesus uses this day and our daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, Which means, uh, certainly, for one thing, that he intends us for us to pray this sort of prayer every day. You don't pray for your daily bread unless you're praying for it daily. Uh, There's at least two reasons here in Matthew 6, why this has to be a daily prayer. Uh, One is, of course, it's a reminder that we are daily dependent upon God, even for something as simple as bread. Uh, This truth is often challenged by the existence of freezers. 
Uh, you now can accumulate bread for months by, by putting it all in the freezer. And, and so we, we tend to forget that we do need God for our daily bread. Uh, in, in Brazil, my wife would have to go out every morning, first thing, go to the, the, the bakery and buy their daily bread. It's very much a daily thing. Uh, We don't have that so much, and yet we are nonetheless still dependent on a daily basis for bread. Uh, We can't control our future. Uh, We can plan, and we should plan, but we can't control what tomorrow brings. We could lose our wealth at any moment. We could lose our lives at any moment. Uh, Markets also can crash. Our investments can disappear. Natural disasters happen, Uh, and, and... Truthfully, any one of us could lose our lives even on the way home from church. Uh, We don't know the will of God. And so we should pray for his daily preservation. Uh, We are are dependent on God even to draw the next breath. Now you think of uh, what James writes in, in James 5. He says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Uh, We need God every single day, and so we should pray for that blessing every day. Uh, uh, When we're we're truly aware of that, aware of our daily dependence and and how uncertain our futures are, as we should be aware, uh, when we're really aware of that, then praying for something as simple as daily bread becomes almost an automatic thing. Uh, There are Christians who pray this by instinct. Uh, They recognize it's so deep in them I need God tomorrow, and I will certainly pray for the Lord's blessing tomorrow. Uh, and and even, if we, even if we don't lose all that we have still, by praying every day, we are also reminded that these things don't come by our own strength. I'm praying to God for bread, because without God, I would not receive my bread. It's acknowledging that I could not get this by my own strength, even something as simple and small as, as bread. Uh, I remember uh, as a child, um, we visited a family in the church once, and in the prayer, the husband said, uh, these are his, his, maybe not his exact words, but as I remember them, uh, in, in the prayer around the dinner table, he said, thank you, Lord, for this food that you've prepared through the hands of my wife. I know some of you, I've heard uh, some of you pray a prayer like that as well. Isn't that exactly correct? God prepared the food through the wonderful hands of my wife. It's recognizing it was her strength, but before her strength, it was still nonetheless the the, the providence and blessing of God. Uh, It still comes from God's hands, even when it comes from the hands of someone else. Uh, And we are still always right then to give God the thanks for it. Uh, so that's, that's one reason, certainly one reason why God teaches us to make this a daily prayer, because we're daily dependent. There's a second reason also why this should be a daily prayer, and, and for that we want to think about what the Lord Jesus teaches us in, in Matthew 6, verse 19. Uh, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, uh, moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How do you do that? How do you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven? Well, you do that by spending the treasures that you have on earth. 
How else will you lay up treasures in heaven? But by giving of the, the, the time, the money, the resources, the strength that you, get, that you have, your earthly treasures, spending them here on earth. Uh, you think of uh, what the Lord taught in Matthew 10, verse 42. Uh, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. There's your, your treasure in heaven, the reward that God promises. How do you get it? By spending that little cup of water here on earth. Uh, how do you store up treasures in heaven? By spending the treasures you have on earth. Uh, when, uh, when our treasure is the presence and the nearness of God and the glory of God, the kingdom of God that we're serving, when that's our treasure, then the earthly resources that God gives us will become a means by which we pursue that treasure. Uh, How do you, for example, provide a Christian education to your children with your time, your money, your efforts, and your resources? You spend what you have on earth in order to accumulate things in heaven. It's not easy and it's not cheap, uh, no matter how you do it. But that's, that's the way to accumulating the treasures in heaven. How do you send missionaries into the world to proclaim the gospel, to build the kingdom of Christ? Again, that's our treasure, the kingdom of Christ. How do you do it? We spend your time, your efforts, your resources. Uh, how do you minister to those in our midst whose lives are, are, are broken? Uh, how do you put things in place to help the, the vulnerable in society? Again, with your time, your money, your effort, your gifts, your resources, spending your bread, casting it upon the waters. So certainly one reason why the Lord Jesus would teach us, give us this, daily, or the, give us this day our daily bread, is because he would have us spend our daily bread as well. Uh, you think of the parable that the Lord Jesus used of the shrewd manager. The Lord Jesus sometimes picked these parables. I, I have to think also to, uh, to not only to make the point, but to uh, offend those who, who were too easily offended. So he chooses this dishonest manager as the hero of, of this parable. And here's a man who's about to lose his job. And so what does he do to prepare himself for the future? He spends the resources... Uh, that are at his disposal, that he knows he's going to lose, his master's money, he spends it on, on friends and, and alliances that he can accumulate after the job is, is over. Uh, by spending those, he gained a future uh, that he wasn't going to lose. Um, as the missionary Jim Elliott says, one of the, my favorite quotes, I know you've heard it, uh, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's the perspective that Christians should have on all their uh, resources. Uh, it's as the preacher in Ecclesiastes also says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it again after many days. Spend what you have for the kingdom of God. Uh, so Christ certainly teaches for that reason too, that this should be a daily prayer. Not just because we're daily dependent, but also because every day we are spending what the Lord gives us in His service. Uh, now, obviously, that does not mean don't, don't save up, don't make a sensible retirement plan. It's, it's not good spending if you then have to depend on the resources of others to live uh, after you've given everything away. No, the Lord certainly teaches us also wisdom. Uh, Paul uh, teaches elsewhere that children should, or, or parents should save up for their children. 
so Christ isn't teaching us to you know, spend your way into homelessness uh, so that we then become a burden to others. But he is teaching us to see our possessions in a certain way. See them as something you will not keep. Something that will not last and, and use them to pursue what will. Uh, so brothers and sisters, in conclusion, let us give our lives whatever resources we have, to the praise of God's glory. That's the first petition. He's worthy of a life devoted to Him. And because of of Christ, it's not only our, our duty to seek first the kingdom of God, it's also our delight, because the kingdom of God is given to us. It's not just God's kingdom, it's our kingdom. It's not just God's will and God's righteousness, It's righteousness that will one day also be ours. So uh, we we give our lives to the glory of the one with whom we will spend eternity and at whose right hand, Psalm 16, are pleasures forevermore. Whose steadfast love, Psalm 63, is better than life itself. Whose favor is like the sun shining upon us. So brothers and sisters, do pray this prayer. Do pray it. Uh, But do remember also to be caught up, first of all, in those first three petitions. Gain a right perspective. Be rightly oriented. And then come before your Father, as children do, asking for all your needs, so you may spend them on His honor and His glory. Amen.